Hey y'all, it's Dr. Janae. What's up? It's Raven, and we are your favorite teacher therapist duo. And this is Houston to Healing, a podcast about all things mental health, but most importantly, a safe space for Black people. Our mission is to dialogue, find support, and share resources that help in our healing journeys. And I say our healing journeys because we too are learning and growing every day. So without further ado, let's get into it. So this is our first episode and we have a lot to cover, a lot of topics that we want to discuss. First and foremost, what is Houston Healing? Why have we made this 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 topic? Why have we made this trend a podcast? So to give a little bit of context, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I also have my doctorate in psychology. I have been a therapist for the past nine years. And before I had all of those titles and those degrees, I was and I am a black woman. The two things that matter most to me are my community and our healing. So in June of 2020, I created an online-based wellness initiative to address my community and just a call for healing, especially in the face of a ton of social and political, racially motivated unrest. Hughes to Healing essentially is just making sure that we recognize not only that when you think of healing, you think of color spectrums like red equals anger, blue equals sadness in the same ways blue can equal calm and peace and serenity. So when we think of colors, they have different emotional attributes. So Hughes to Healing is a play on words that talks about how there are very different, there are, there are a number of hues to our healing, but more importantly, hues to healing represents the fact that there is no healing if we are not partaking in it as individuals and consumers of healing and as well as if we do not see ourselves represented in that healing process. So it's a space for black people and folks of color to come and find healing. And it is a space where black and providers of color that are therapists, psychologists, social workers, LMFTs, et cetera, community healers can recognize and see themselves in this conversation. So Houston Healing, we have a mental health resource guide that has been especially beneficial for our community. We have dialogue, engagement, posts, and things of that nature that exist, again, to be this safe space for Black and Brown folks, folks of color, and marginalized people across the world. With that being said, there are so many things that we want to talk about that kind of get lost in a post or a caption or a reel. And so... I sat down with with people in my community, people that really back and support this initiative. And we were like, how do we make this a conversation, a continued conversation that hears from, it reaches our community, it hears from our community and it fulfills our community. And so that is how the brainchild, the Houston Healing Podcast was birthed. And immediately the first person that came to mind was one of my close friends, one of my girls from college, my freshman year of college. So we are rocking for 10 years and some change at this point, Raven. I will let her introduce herself momentarily, but just to give a little bit of insight to our listeners as to why Raven and who she is without taking too much of her spotlight, because I want her to you know, say it with her chest about who she is and why this <laughs> matters to her. Raven came to mind as a perfect fit between the personal and professional balance of us talking about Black mental health, Black women's mental health, communities of color and their healing because Raven is such a transparent person. Like she's so authentic and raw, but she's very humorous. So when I think about somebody that's going to make me laugh while telling it like it is, like Raven comes to mind. She's extremely vulnerable. Like you are, you're vulnerable, you are open and you make people laugh with, with the ability to convey a message. So 
I'm super excited that you are committed to this project with me. I'm excited for what's to come and what we have in store. So I want to turn it over. I want you to talk a little bit to our listeners about who you are, what you do, why this is important to you. And then we'll kind of just, you know, have an organic conversation and see where it goes. Yes, thank you. I'm I'm so honored to be a part of this project with you and honored that you thought of me in that light. So I, I'm Raven. I am an elementary school teacher. So I've been teaching for seven years now. Mm-hmm. And I am very committed to therapy. One therapy has really allowed me to see myself in ways that I never thought, right? And so mm-hmm. I want everyone and especially folks in our community to experience that that form of like what I call freedom to be Mm -hmm. able to just be. And Mm -hmm. I think my work in the classroom, it has not only transformed my like personal life and the way that I show up for myself, Mm -hmm. but also the way that I show up for my students. It has, you know, because I'm able to humanize myself through the work, I can allow my kids that same space as a classroom teacher. And it's something that, you know, colleagues or people who come into my classroom notice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to like, be all open be like oh it's my therapy journey but it's, it's really it's not me just like yes I'm you know being a teacher is not anybody can do that right and so it's it takes skills Absolutely. to be able to teach a lesson to be able to keep kids engaged but mm-hmm. it really it really for me like what's really at the top was like me going through my own healing to be able to show up properly for myself and for my students and for you know those who are involved in my life and so yeah when you asked me I was like hell yeah let's do this I am ready and willing to talk about my journey through therapy and how it has just been impactful in my life. For sure. So what we're going to do throughout this podcast is first and foremost, we're always going to be real, but we're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We are going to heal together. We hope that our experiences personally and professionally provide that space for folks. So you talk about, you know, who you are present day as a, as an educator, as a friend, as an overall human being is attributed a lot to therapy and just knowing you personally, I know that that's not something you've been engaged in your entire life. So walk Mm -hmm. me through your your upbringing and then walk me through like when your therapeutic process began, what, like how those things collided. Yes. Janae already knows, like I am from California. So definitely we, we have laughs about that. Like mm-hmm. just totally West side, California chick grew up with in a family that I will describe like economically as low income. And so mm-hmm. we were doing everything we could to survive. And so it didn't feel like it because they they did a good job of like it wasn't until I got older of like masking that but of course because we are in the survival like a sense of survival like Mm -hmm. it was just like be grateful for what we have right like you didn't have time to like what are you crying for like Mm -hmm. you should be grateful you have a roof over your head or you know yes we didn't get to do the the holiday the way we wanted to but you should be grateful that you have a meal or you're not Mm -hmm. you know it's not way worse people have it way worse than you and so I think early on as a child, not learning how to properly manage my emotions and also not thinking that that was possible. I just thought you just Mm kind of swept things under the rug and you kept it pushing for the sake of keeping it pushing because someone has it worse. It could could always be worse. You better be lucky. Like we have the things that we have. And so Mm -hmm. it just was not something that we, we discussed. And even if you wronged someone, you know, we, even with adults, right? Like adults getting into it at the, you know, Thanksgiving, you never saw anyone having a conversation about saying the wrongdoing. It was just like, I'm not effing with so-and-so. And then a couple weeks later, like they, he, he, ha, and laughing, like nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again. So like, mm-hmm. you know, being in that, like 
that being kind of my upbringing, I just, you know, yeah. you just kind of go and you just do and you mask these feelings and yeah, you might be hurt or, or fearful or crying, but you keep that and you show up in a, in a way that, you know, makes you strong, right? So At that going part. through, yes. So going through school and all that stuff, like I just kept going, kept going, you know, feeling stress in undergrad. You know, we talked about just being first generation students and the things that we go through and kind of, I just, just, you just keep rocking. And it wasn't until I lost my dad right before senior year. And mm -hmm. honestly, that moment was, you know, it was right, like it was unexpected. Mm -hmm. It was right before the start of senior year. And so I remember I was still on campus for the summer working and stuff. And I went back home and it was nice. I got to have that month to be the family, to grieve. And when I came back to school, I kind of like, all right, you are in school. We are going to like, you- You, you compartmentalized. Grieve. Yes. You compartmentalized a lot of yes. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, Raven, you had that time. Now it's back to school. And you know what everyone told me was like, you going back to school to make him proud. And so mm -hmm. that that's what kept me going, right? Like, you, we ain't got time for the tears. We ain't got time to be randomly crying in class. Let's just make him proud. Let's make your family proud, right? But, you know, it was things, things were falling apart and it was showing up mm -hmm. in ways that I didn't recognize. And it wasn't until I went to work, my boss, who was a black woman at the time, I was like working like a student, student service job. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like, it's only about three hours, right? And so, you know, for those three hours of time, she's seen something that's very different. Mm -hmm. And I remember she called me into her office because I think I was like messing up very simple stuff that they're like, you know how to do this. Like, why mm -hmm. do you keep making mistakes and having to go behind yourself? And she's like, how are you doing? And I just bawled. I just bawled. Mm -hmm. I just bawled at a simple question. And I honestly didn't even know how to, I was like, I'm bawling. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't know why I'm crying. I'm like in her office. And she's like, sweetie, I know why you're crying. Mm -hmm. You are, you have not dealt with, you are not properly dealing with the loss of your dad. Mm -hmm. I've been mm -hmm. there before. I I know. And it was, it was the first time that someone is helping me recognize my emotions, right? She immediately was like, you know, this great opportunity was emailed to us. It is a grief counseling session. It's a group grief counseling session with mm -hmm. folks who have dealt with loss okay. and we will support you in going. And that was my wow. first, my, my first kind of introduction to therapy. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like I'll give it a go. And, and she has a black woman. She's like, I know we don't do this. I, you know, but I think it will be very beneficial. And mm -hmm. if you don't like it, right, you don't have to, but I want you to go. And she already checked my schedule. Cause she's like, you're not finding any excuses. You, you <laughs> don't have nothing going on from this time to this time. And the only thing you have is, you know, you got, you open up the office, but we would do that for you while you go. And it was a 10 week counseling session. Mm -hmm. And it was so impactful i thought i remember going i was like this is gonna be corny as hell a group like is and it was like i can't even put into words how impactful it was to hear other people who are students navigating the loss mm -hmm. of a loved one and and they are saying the words that you can't say right they're mm -hmm. talking about the experiences that like other people who may not have lost anyone can relate to and you mm -hmm. all are doing it in a safe session with someone who can help you navigate those emotions and so that mm -hmm. was my first my first introduction to therapy. And that's when I was like, okay, this actually does work. Yeah. 
And it's, it's so beautiful when you think about the advocacy that your your boss had, you know, for mm-hmm. you, like not only just the seeing you, like recognizing something was off and then creating that space to be like, no, talk to me about it. And you feeling yes. safe and vulnerable enough to be like, I'm not okay. But mm-hmm. then her linking you to services, like that's that's just the, that's not everyone's experience. And so it's so beautiful that that was your first experience. But, and I'm glad that you were so receptive to therapy because I think speaking both personally and professionally, having a similar upbringing to you, like you said, low income, working class family, like struggling to make ends meet. I know that we are both like the oldest daughter. Like, I mean, I know your father had other children, you have older siblings on your dad's side, but like, you know, being being that oldest, being that oldest daughter, that oldest child Mm -hmm. in general, like girl, you become that, you know, extra parent whether you like it or not. But like you said, you're taught to, Hey, push through, we got to make it happen. Ain't no time for tears. The work has to be done. You got to do X, Y, and Z. So we are often not given that space to process emotions. You know, Mm -hmm. what you mad for, what you crying about? I'm going to give you something to cry about. So there's all of those cultural things that we have to unlearn. And so therapy is oftentimes not a part of our toolkit. It's, mm-hmm. you know, figure it out, be mad, but push through, cry yeah. at night when can't nobody see or hear you. See, mm-hmm. So when you start thinking about therapy and when you st- when you get to that place where therapy is a reality for you and you recognize it as a part of your growth and healing journey, when you're trying to recommend that for other people, a lot of times people are like, what are you talking about? Well, like, what? Yes. I'm, I'm going to sit up and talk with somebody. I'm going to tell my personal business to somebody I don't know. Like, I'm going to trust this person with confidential information and then the secondary question is, what's that going to do? What mm-hmm. is me sitting in a room with somebody crying going to do? And it's like a lot, actually. It's a lot, more, yes. it's, it's a lot more than just venting or ranting. And there's a mm-hmm. space for those things, absolutely. But it's recognizing why things impact you the way that they do, what you can do about it. And for the things you can't do anything about, how do you best manage it? How do you live a life where you aren't just pushing through with anger, with rage, with frustration, going to bed, crying every night? So I think a lot lot of the problem with therapy is people don't recognize what therapy is. And so we have a responsibility to educate our loved ones and people in our community who don't know. I spend so much of my time as a therapist with people. Walk me through, how do I find a therapist? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What do I say when I go? How do, what do I tell them? And so that was part of why the mental health resource guide came about. It's like, okay, here's how you find a therapist. Here's what to look for in a therapist. Here's some questions to ask that therapist. Here are some reasons why you will go to therapy because I recognize that I only know that because I went to school to become one. But if I didn't, I would never have known. Like you said, if you, if your boss didn't sit down and say, Hey, there's this grief group that we're going to send you to. And I looked at your schedule. So you came back out of it. Who knows where you would be right now in processing your father's passing. And who knows the person you would be because you would be operating in hurt and trauma as opposed to the healing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and talk about, you know, your first experience with therapy, like you said, was a grief group specifically around loss and mourning. Mm-hmm. How did that, how did you continue on in your therapeutic journey? Like what does your healing journey look like after that or present day? Yeah. So I did the 10 sessions and then from there, I just like, it, it ended like it, the 10 sessions ended. And, and it's funny you say that because I didn't even know like a grief group, like, I didn't even know grief counseling was a thing. I didn't even mm-hmm. know it existed where you can go in a group. So it was, it, it ended. And I remember feeling like, dang, I wish they can continue this, right? It was something that mm-hmm. I, they were just starting to see how it worked and had overwhelming like people interested. Mm-hmm. 
So I kind of just stopped going. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't look for anything else. I didn't look to continue that, that, that journey. And I just was like, okay, that was great. I had, and I, I did get some tools in my toolbox. I was saying, I also met some great people where we continued to be there for each other. People that I would never have like befriended outside of mm-hmm. that group. Right. And yeah. so it, it was amazing for that. And then I continued working and still working in the same office. I'm now graduated as a young professional working professional job now in the the same office. And I was making the transition from that career to teaching and teaching Mm -hmm. was going to move me across the country. Also relationship too. Let me not front like I was coming to school. I was (laughs) not not the man that moved you. Not the man, the man. And I said, I never would, but you know, Mm -hmm. I did. And so that was very, that was a difficult moment in my life too, because at the time I was also supporting my mom. So like I was Mm -hmm. sending money home from 18 to 26 and it was, that was stressful as hell. So like, Mm -hmm. um, that was a lot and it was something that was taking a toll on me because I was like, hey, I'm I'm about to move. I'm I'm looking at my own place, buy my own car. Like, yes, I'm gonna be making more salary-wise, but also my like spending is going to go up because mm-hmm. I'm going to be having a one bedroom and having to get a car, all this stuff. And so it was very hard for her to Understand it's hard for me to to set boundaries. Once again, same boss. Like I call her my work mom. She's my work mom. Mm-hmm. I'm going through going through this transition, and she's noticing like you don't seem like yourself. Also, my friends were noticing it too. She called me to her office again. Her office was like the the red table talk, like that couch, that chair. <laughs> Not the red table talk. <laughs> and she sat in that chair, and she just she always was in that chair rolling around. She just scooted that door, closed the door, and was like, "What's going on?" And I was mm-hmm. like, cried again. And I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm going through a lot. And this is the first time I told someone that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm helping my mom. Um, mm-hmm. One of my close friends knew because she was in the same situation with helping her mm-hmm. parents out. So we had each other to vent to. But she was like, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. And I remember feeling like it was my responsibility. And I was encouraged. Was that your mom, first like, lesson in boundaries? Right, my first lesson in boundaries. Good, yes. Good. Okay. By We're gonna talk about mom. that. We're gonna talk about that later. But no, boundaries yes. are important, and that's that is, there's important. a place in therapy for that. So no, I like your boss. I like her a lot. She was yeah, she was with it. So and she, our like director of the office, their partner was a marriage, and and is it? Let me. Am I marriage and family therapist? Yes. MFT. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So they. She was like, I already got, I already asked. They're willing to see you pro bono. And so I was like, what the hell? She's like, I'll take you. Because I didn't have a car at the time. She's like, I'll take you. And I was like, I can catch the bus. But on on certain days, she like, when it rained or, you know, if it was early in the morning, she'll take me. And so it was kind of like, you got to go. Because I was like, I don't want to be talking to their partner. And then I'm seeing their partner at our holiday office party. That's going to be awkward. Like, mm-hmm. but because I respected her and she put me on with the grief therapy, I, I decided to go and I didn't have to pay out of pocket. Right. I mm-hmm. was pro bono. And when I started going, I was like, it was hard. That was hard because mm-hmm. they were asking me, basically, you got to tell your mom now. Right. But mm-hmm. not, not like that, but like, we got to create some boundaries mm-hmm. and we start off like, okay, well, if you can't flat out tell your mom no, then you got to say like, okay, I can only do this, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. then like start kind of, and that was hard. I was like, I can't, I can't. I, that was like the, I think that was the first time I was resistant to what they were sharing with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were gearing up for the conversation I would have with my mom and, you know, they were like, if her reaction is, okay, well, don't talk to me, then 
Are you ready you for know? that? Are you ready yeah. for that? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's going to hurt. No, I'm not like, and I had that conversation with her and we did not talk. And I remember blaming therapy. I was like, oh my gosh, mm. if I wasn't in therapy, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have had to like be forced to have this conversation. I, did I have this conversation prematurely? Like, what mm-hmm. the hell were they telling me to do, right? And and the person I should say was a white male. The so, therapist. Therapist, yeah. Got so it, okay. I'm just like, this white motherfucker <laughs> told me to do this. Like they probably yeah, come yeah. from from privilege and all this stuff. And yeah. but I was still going. I was, you know, and they face right, laughing. And, ah, okay, let me write that down in my journal. And what was what was wild was my mom was upset. She didn't we I don't know, we didn't talk for maybe four weeks, probably almost a month. And I was very hurt because I was going to be transitioning to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we should be having time together before yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm moving. And then one day she called me at work and, you know, this is before I learned boundaries because my, anytime a family member calls, I'm picking up, right? So I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, something happens. I'm getting, you know, triggered, you know, getting phone calls, hearing bad news. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Raven, I got a job. I was okay, like, hey, mama. I was like, what? I was, and because I was at work and I shared it with my work mom and I shared it with my, my office because they kind of also knew since I was seeing the director's partner, like pro bono or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Like, and, and that's when I was like, okay, damn. I, I felt so bad because I was, you know, a dog and homeboy out. You was of cursing. Like, you was cursing yes. therapy and everything like, is still for. Do this. But, and, I- yeah, go ahead, go ahead. The reason I love that story, and this is why, like, I know that I was, it was the perfect call to have you as my my mm-hmm. podcast co-host is because, like, I, I get so much of that. I get so much of that pushback and resistance from clients because you're pushing people out of your their comfort zone. Yes. And you're getting them to recognize that things that are second nature to them are not healthy or are not right. So yeah. that therapist was helping you to recognize, like you said, like boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, she, he was recognizing, helping you to recognize that like, you have all of this stress and this codependency going on in your family yes. dynamic. This is going to prevent you from excelling. You've put in all this work in school to advance in your career, but you're not going to advance if you keep being having codependent people on you and you're and you're in, unable to say no or you're people pleasing mm-hmm. like I'm hearing all of these like yes. these therapy yeah. you know buzzwords coming out mm-hmm. and it, without it having even been in that session and you were pushing back when again you and your mom had to fall out because again when you set boundaries people don't like them people, people don't, people like, don't like being able to walk all over you or to get you to do everything that they say yeah. so you guys had that fallout and you was like oh therapy you, like you said you, but, you cursed it as this white yes. man's thing and this white man of privilege done messed me and my black family up and then your yeah. mom cause she, she heard it she that she sat in her quiet place and realized yep. and then you were stronger and better for setting those boundaries but it sounds like your mama was stronger and ba- better yes. for setting those boundaries so it's like it becomes this healing piece and I just again I love the support in the community you had at that job with your boss to the director to their mm-hmm. partner like you said you shared with your office because everyone was invested in your growth and development and that's just that's such a beautiful thing and it really just knowing you and I know that you would you would echo these sentiments it formed you into who you are today from that one experience it did it did because I was that was the most stress I had in my life right and I my my biggest thing I always would say if my family stopped bugging me right I (laughs) I can flourish I can flourish I can be Mm -hmm. and that was a big that that was a big one with like my mom being independent financially, right? And we ain't gonna talk about the stress that my brother had in my life. But I was like, if my mom, and, and if she can help me with some of the stress that he causes in our lives, like financially, mm-hmm. this, and this was when he was like under 25. Now, homeboy, you, you, 
that's gonna be another episode, right? Talking about older <laughs> sisters, siblings. Who but listen? I re- will it be? Right? I remember thinking like, if my mom has a job, I can make this move, and I can feel good about it because I know she's good, I'm good, and then I can focus on myself, right? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. I made the move out here, and I mean. Literally, I was my mom was not calling me for anything, but to just talk to me, like just have a relationship, it. just have a relationship, right? It wasn't like this bill is due, and then when I would go out to visit, she has her like, we can do things now. Like I, I don't have to feel the pressure. Like I want to experience this restaurant with my mom, but damn, I got to pay for the whole bill, and I ain't got the whole bill money. Like she's now paying for me, right? She's supporting mm-hmm. me, and it was just like a very, a more healthy dynamic. And I thought, like, all my woes were over. I just thought. I just thought, like, you know, once this is good, and it wasn't. Stuff was still showing up. And I was like, what mm-hmm. the hell? Like, why am I still having anger issues? Why am I still mm-hmm. having blowouts? Like, I thought the root of my problem was my mom, our dynamic, and me being financially responsible. I thought that was it. And I thought mm-hmm. once I dealt with that, that would be it. And I will say, the person I was seeing pro bono, they encouraged me. They said, I want you to continue going to therapy. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, once I moved, it was it was hectic. I was in school. I was teaching. I was moving into a new apartment. I was like, I don't have time to look at that. I didn't even understand mm-hmm. the insurance process. Like, what the yeah. hell? So I just did not do anything for the first year and a half of me being here. And I was still having those same feelings that I had. But this time, I did not have a community. I did not have an office to go cry mm-hmm. into. I didn't have a, my work mom able to ask me what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I had my boyfriend at the time. And a lot of what we were, what I was dealing with spilling over in our relationship. And so it was very stressful. And I remember thinking, like, damn, like, I thought, like, once my mom was good, I would be good. Yeah, so you kind of, you saw you saw healing as this closed-ended process. You was like, okay, I've confronted the loss of my father. I've grieved, yeah. I've mourned, mm-hmm. chapter closed. Then you were right. like, okay, I have this unhealthy attachment and relationship dynamic with my mom. I'm back mm-hmm. in therapy on an individual basis. That's done. I'm good. Yeah. I'm straight. I'm, I'm ready yeah, exactly. to go. I, I done got my degree. I'm yeah. walking into, so I'm you working. thought like, I, I have healed. You put a period yes. at the end of that healing. And then life came back at you. Life came back. And it was, it was the same things. It was the same things I was dealing with. I was still grieving, right? I was still not having boundaries. I was, all of those things were coming up and I would, you know, I would see that stress. I would mm-hmm. take it out on the person I was with. I would be in class and I'll be teaching. And if the students would do something that an average little six-year-old would do, and I am like losing my cool, right? I am, and you know, like, let's say... It's, it's the same loudness, but because I'm stressed about the bills that I have, I, I have, I'm like, you know what, y'all? We shutting it down. Put your heads down, right? I'm doing <laughs> stuff like that. Put your heads down. Like, lights off. Lights off. Don't say nothing to me. Don't say Ain't nothing, Ain't no recess. Right? Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. And they sitting there looking at me like, damn, what the hell? Like, we, we always do this. This is, what the hell is wrong with you, right? And it was the, there was just so much going on. And I remember... You know, my, my boyfriend was like, at the time, he, he was like, look, you there's there's something that has to, this is too much. Well, we, this, yeah. is, this is too much, right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned therapy. I would mention it. I would say like, yeah, I was encouraged to go. And I'm, I'm going to start going. We'll never look into it. That was like my, my scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And it was like, in order for this relationship to, to continue, like, I think you should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. 
And so I did. And I would never get, like, he would drop me off and stuff. And I remember he was like, oh, you probably in therapy talking about me. And I was like, actually, no, we talking about it. I think that was a hint for him to, 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 to know that also I wasn't just the problem. He was too. But that's, that's something else. That's something else. Yes, that's, we we get right? we gathering information for what we're going to be talking about. Got it. Yes, okay. yes. But I was like, no, a lot of a lot of what I was talking about was work related, right? It was mm-hmm. very work related. It was getting to know, like, if this works. I found someone who works, and I, I, I'm not mistaken. I feel like I used the guy that like you had once created with someone with a friend of ours some mm-hmm. years back because I remember mm-hmm. you had like a website on there, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I remember y'all mentioned this guy. Let me go on this website, and and the first person was a black woman. Was the first person I called, and it worked out. She took my insurance. It was, mm-hmm. we were good. And so like, I'm going through therapy like that for the first like four or five months, just talking about work stuff. Like principal done sent an email. So we got to do this. I need to learn how to have these type of conversations, right? Having boundaries at work, very surface level. Well, mm-hmm. I won't say surface level. It was, it was very good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't foundational until, stuff. It was foundational the foundational stuff. stuff you needed. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't until I started, cause I wasn't really talking about relationship. I wasn't really talking mm-hmm. to her about that. And I know she knew because she was like, you told me that you started coming to therapy because, you know, your boyfriend encouraged you to. I think that, that was in her notebook. She wrote that out. Mm-hmm. She's ready to work that out. When yeah, I, you get when the I copious notes. In, mm-hmm. Yes. When I came in crying, I was like, she's like, so we're going to continue. I was like, no, we cannot. I just got broken <laughs> up with. She's like, she took that notebook. I know she was ready. She's like, okay, let's go ahead and talk about it. And because I know. And I want to ask her. I know she wanted me to break up with that nigga. I know she did. But that's a sad <laughs> note. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I, I don't know her. I can't confirm or deny. But what I will say, what you're talking about, is oftentimes what we come into therapy about is not what we end therapy with. Because mm-hmm. we come in with this one problem, we start to recognize it, address it, resolve it, or are better managing it. And then these other things come up. Like you said, I'm yes. in there for work stuff. And then I'm recognizing that I need to set all these foundational pieces in my toolkit, my self-advocacy, my boundaries, mm-hmm. my my conflict resolution style. And yes. then you're like, wait, now we're talking about my relationship and all of that. Like it's, it's oh. and I think again, that's another thing that people need to recognize. Like you can be in therapy for multiple things at once. Therapy is, I often get, you know, I'm not quote unquote that depressed or I don't mm, want to harm myself yes. or I'm not hearing voices. And I'm like, who told you those are the only reasons to be in therapy? To you go. can absolutely be in there because work is stressing you out. Your kids are stressing you out. Yep. Your relationship is rocky or your relationship is great and you're trying to keep it that way. Or again, you're recognizing I have all these characteristics and traits about me that always felt normal in the environment, mm-hmm. the culture, the community I grew up yep. in, but they're bothering me. They're impacting me. So I like that you have, you know, you at this point are the expert because you'd have been through group therapy. You'd have been through individual therapy with a white man. You'd have had a black yeah. woman therapist. You didn't talk about your job. You didn't talk about your man you didn't talked about your students you didn't talked about yes. your, like you've gone through everything at this point yeah. like you you really like we need to just turn it over to you and like you know yeah. let you <laughs> let you let the people know because you have had that lived experience that so many people don't recognize like therapy you know what the the takeaway from it is is therapy is therapy and healing is a continuous mm-hmm. process and that doesn't mean that you're in therapy forever some people stay in therapy forever some people take breaks some people come back on a, a much less of a scale like you know you start going once a week then you might come once every two weeks then you go once a month I have clients that come in there they do quarterly check-ins hey we just gonna yeah. talk about you know I have all of these tools in my toolkit I'm managing things but I just want to come process I want to talk about this you know a couple of times a year and there are people that just are like hey I'm good right now but if I find myself not good, 
I'm gonna be back. Oh, and so they're like, keep, keep keep me off. I'm, I'm gonna be back if I need to be. That might be six months from now. That might be two years from now. Yeah. But I think that the fact that the nuances of therapy aren't as out there. People, mm-hmm. we think in this, you know, all or nothing, black and white thinking, we yes. think in a box. So we don't recognize how therapy can be a compliment to our lives. Okay. So can you talk about how you've, how therapy has been a utility for you to utilize as needed? Or like, like you think about a medication. Sometimes you have to take a medication every day. Sometimes you only need to take it when you're sick. You know, so how has therapy been that utility for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, after, once I start getting into like the nitty gritty of things like, you know, laying, after laying down that foundation, foundational piece, you know, now we're going into things I thought I dealt with. So we're talking about family stuff, my upbringing, and I'm finally learning how to process and also feel emotions. Mm-hmm. So it has been, damn, I want to say almost six years that I've been in therapy now that okay. I, that I've been in therapy. And so as of now, like I started off going, like when I first, when she's like, I'm going to need to see you every week. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. what we're going to need every week. Mm-hmm. And that happens. I took like, you know, I went home for the summer and took a little bit of a break during mm-hmm. that time and then went back and it's been just weekly. And then it, you know, went into like weekly. And then I was like, you know, I feel like I can see you maybe every two weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I have enough in my tool belt where I don't need to come every week. Cause at first I was like, girl, can I see you every day? And she's like, okay, well let's, <laughs> let's, let's get some time on down. Yeah. Right. And now I see her about once a month. And so, and it has just been, I mean, I go in and you know, she wants to talk about what we talked about last session. And I might be like, girl, okay, can we pause that? This happens and we need to talk about this or mm-hmm. I need to talk about this. Right. And so it has really helped me also to navigate my emotions and I think having someone who's worked with you for a long period of time to be able to sometimes for me I tend to forget growth right I'm like mm-hmm. well damn have I grown right there's moments where I'm going back to like not using what's in my toolkit and then I'm like let me sit down you're you're ignoring what you've learned let me sit down and do the things and so when I go to session and I tell her like okay like this happened and this is what I did right and she's mm-hmm. like look at you like remember there was a, a point in time where you didn't mm-hmm. do that right like mm-hmm. you are like sh- it's it's nice to have someone acknowledge your growth and I mm-hmm. look at her like it's someone who won't judge right I mean in the first yeah. the beginning I was like I know she's judging the hell out of me and I would say that <laughs> I'd be like I know you're gonna judge me but but. Like, <laughs> uh, right? She's like, I'm not here, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I didn't tell the full truth. Let me go back. So I did, I did, I did do that. And that's why they reacted that way, right? And so it, it's learning that this person is is not like there to judge you. And I think once mm-hmm. I like freed myself of that and mm-hmm. was able to like, now I'm in a world where are in a space where I can, I can feel all my emotions and I'm okay with that, yeah. right? Even emotions mm-hmm. that might seem like, Icky, I think we talked about this before and we might even have it on the episode, but like talking about just like feeling envious of something, right? Like I just remember learning like feeling envy or jealous is like such a bad thing. Like don't talk mm-hmm. about it. Don't admit it, mm-hmm. right? And I went into session. I was like, I think I have this. And, and her giving me the tools to be able to talk with the person, right? And say like, Got it. Mm-hmm. you know what? My reaction was not okay. That was not right. I was feeling this way. That's not an excuse, mm-hmm. right? Like. I'm able to now navigate conversations like that and, and also feel those emotions that I was ashamed to feel, that I was mm-hmm. taught to not feel, mm-hmm. that I was taught to like, and and was helpful too. Now when I talk to my mom, and we might even be talking about parenting our parents, I'd be giving her those 
those you little gyms. gyms. Yes, like you know what? Yeah. It's okay. Like it sounds like mom, you feel this way. Now I'm trying. I be trying to. I be trying to not be my. Let me therapize people back. I try not to do that, but mm-hmm. trying to like I, and then people notice that. Like okay, Raven, you, wow, I see some growth. Like and I and the things that you tell me, it worked right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can only think therapy and and also encourage you to go too because you can also have these same tools in your toolbox as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, therapy, you talked, you just talked about how therapy is this partnership. It's this therapeutic Mm -hmm. alliance between you and your therapist, because you are the expert of your life. Your therapist is an expert in these different specializations as it relates to psychology or social work or marriage and family therapy. And they have these specializations and things of that. So you guys are working together to unpack what you need for Mm -hmm. you to become your best self. And there is a lot of growth that happens when the person commits to therapy. But I think what's really important to recognize is you still remain yourself. Because again, in knowing you for again, girl, a decade and some change, like you still, you still are very much that girl that I met the first night of freshman year at the, at the first party we had at college in your zebra (laughs) dress, crip walking. And I, and the, and the reason why I walked up to you was like, where are you from? And again, I meant location, not hood wise, but I was like, I was like, I need to be cool with her because we are very much in this white space. We are very much in this PWI and you are unapologetically yourself. And through all of these years of growth, development, therapy, tears, careers, professionalism, like Mm -hmm. you're still that girl at the core. And so it's like therapy didn't change you. You didn't start talking different, walking different. Like you still are you authentically, Mm -hmm. but you handle situations better. You navigate relationships better. Mm -hmm. You feel your emotions more effectively. And I think that's a fear people have. I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to be a whole nother person. you're gonna be your real self you're gonna be your real real self self. with less trauma with less baggage that's and that's what we want for all of us that's what we want yeah you get to be in tune with like wow if this was nurtured right understanding my parents did the best of what they had Mm -hmm. but if this was nurtured right like i was always called sensitive well that's a good Mm -hmm. thing like if this Mm -hmm. was nurtured who knows what would have like you know maybe so many things i would have saved myself some hurt right yeah. And also, I'm, I'm able to better show up in work. Like I, I spoke about it earlier, but I am able to, because now I, I'm able to help my children process things, my students, right? Instead of yeah. being like, girl, go sit down and wipe them tears off, right? I'm able to help. Yes, you you fell. It's a little scratch. That, that really hurts you. You got some big emotions and I'm able to help you do that rather than like, pat, like pacifying you are. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, Mm-hmm. Making you not feel that way, right? Like, I'm yeah. able to help you, like, okay, breathe. All right, how do you feel? Okay, you mm-hmm. hurt. Like, I'm able to have the patience with my kids because I I have those, like, those tools in my toolbox. And it has just made me a stronger friend, daughter, sister, educator. And that keeps me going because I not, mm-hmm. I not only see it show up in my own self, but mm-hmm. I also see it show up in my work. And that's yeah. important to me because now I now I'm and now I have in my room, I have this, I'm working on like this emotions wall that I want for my mm-hmm. children. And we're going mm-hmm. to be learning like a more, we're gonna have it tacked up on the wall, but we're gonna learn emotions. I'm gonna honor that. I'm gonna like mm. it's okay to it's okay to feel frustrated with me right now. I'm not in a you need to stay in a child's place. It it really has helped me like, how can I then what take what I learn, right? And I know I'm not no licensed or professional, but take some of the skills that I learn mm-hmm. and then put it in an environment in my classroom so my five-year-olds can also like have exposure to this. Absolutely. And and you're talking about fostering a culture of emotional intelligence. So that's, that's what it's all about. So you're doing that in your own life, but you're pushing that forward into the people you care about and love. And 
I think that's the biggest thing that everyone needs to hear. Like there are a million reasons why we all can be, should be, need to be in therapy and you will uncover that with your therapist. Mm -hmm. But ultimately people need to recognize that therapy is a space that exists and we need to utilize it. Just like you go to the doctor when you're having a problem and the same way you go to the doctor for routine checkups, therapy needs to be a part of your comprehensive health. You go see, you know, the optometrist for your eyes, you see the orthodontist or the dentist for your mouth, you see your primary care physician for your routine checkups, you get a heart problem, you see the cardiologist, like Get a therapist on your team. Get a Please. therapist on your team because yes. we all can utilize therapists. It might be brief and short term. It might be intensive and long term. Again, it might come in spurts. You might be mm-hmm. in therapy. You might be out and back in. But get in touch with your emotional health, your emotional wellness. Recognize the things that you need to work on for yourself to be your best self and to have great relationships with friends, family, loved ones. Um, and I think that's all, you know, We wanted to spend some time and introduce Houston Healing, our mission, what we plan to accomplish for our community through telling our stories. But that's the first thing you know. That is why the episode is titled The Way It Is, is getting people to realize, engage in the therapeutic process on Houston Healing. Again, we have a mental health resource guide. So if you are not following us on Instagram and on Twitter, please do so at Houston Healing, H-U-E-S-T-O-H-E-A-L-I-N-G. It is a space we want to hear from you all. Tell us what's working. Talk to us about your therapeutic process. Maybe some questions you have as you're navigating this. But just know that between me and Raven, we got you covered. We gonna yes, always keep it real. <laughs> and we are committed to this with you. This is a conversation. So we want to talk to y'all. So anything you want to let them know before we sign off, Raven? No, no, just take your ass to therapy. <laughs> that part, <laughs> that part. If you didn't take nothing else from this today, that is a directive. So until next time, we will talk to you and take care.